All right, welcome everybody to episode number 10. Um, thank you for taking the, uh, the time to, you know, or giving me time to actually go through and get another episode recorded after a week off. Uh, COVID was not, not fun at all for the health. Um, we do have a guest. We got Brandon Ambrose. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you for joining. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad you're over the COVID situation. That's, uh, that's not never fun. Yeah, it's the COVID protocol, man. It's, uh, we've oh, seen it happen yeah. in the NHL, and now it's happening to me, too. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, and, and I think too, it's, it's cool because you, you have a lot of takes with hockey, you, you know, you watch a lot of hockey too. So it's going to be cool to see what your, your take is with the Canucks and kind of what's happened over the past week and a half ish. So, uh, yeah, let's dive into it. You ready? Let's do it. Awesome, man. So the recent game that just happened was the Canucks in Nashville. So just off the, I guess the bare eye for somebody who hasn't watched the game, uh, Canucks won shockingly in Nashville, um, might have been a little bit of a, like, I, I would say a little bit of a debacle at the end there where there might have just been, it should have been a guaranteed goal because of the uh, uh, the interference with the empty net. But, I mean, hey, I'm not a ref and I don't get paid to ref. Um, but uh, what was your take on the game? Like, do you think this was like a rebirth of the Canucks after uh, a couple of tough games or what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's so much as, as a rebirth. I think, you know, when there's any coaching change, you see, you know, that injection, um, you know, uh, into the star players. And I think we saw that early on with Bruce Boudreau. Like, the Canucks came out, and they looked like the Canucks that I think everyone thought they were going to be at the start of the season, at least how I thought they were going to be right. at the start of the season. Uh, but, you know, and then, you know, you, you always have that, that little drop-off afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, last night's game, you know, you you saw that that connects team again. Now, my my one concern about Vancouver right now is, is how much Thatcher Demko is playing. I mean, right. he's carrying the workload a lot right now. Uh, I mean, he's a young guy; he can he can carry the load. But I, you know, I, I worry about how long and, and, and his durability. Yeah, I I was talking to uh, I was talking to a buddy about this, and it seems like Demko's the type of goalie that plays really really well when he faces forty plus shots a game, right? And then. It's kind of goes, it's the same thing with like Darcy Kemper, for example. Like when Darcy Kemper was with Arizona, you know, he was facing 40 to 50 shots a game and putting up crazy numbers, you know, two goals and 40 shots or one goal and 40 shots. And then goes to a team where they're starting to face less shots, like Colorado, and starts falling apart, um, you know, having a lower save percentage, having a lower goals against. So with Demko facing all these shots and playing all these consistent games, do you think he's going to burn out? Ah, uh, you know that, that that's a that's a great question, and you know I that is my one concern is that he will. I, you know, the the one thing that they have is the All Star break coming up, so he can right. he can get some rest during that. Uh, but I mean, you're, the thing is, you're gonna need him to play. Mm -hmm. Like that that's the problem that connects it in. They they dug themselves such a big hole at the start of the year that you you need him to to play because he's your best chance at winning games. Thatcher Demko could be an All Star. I mean, I think he if you know. The Americans were going to the Olympics. If NHL players were going to the Olympics, I think he would be one of the goalies on that team. I think I think he's that good of a goaltender. Mm -hmm. And I think with Bruce Boudreaux's style, like it's it's a it's a run and gun team now. Yeah, you know. Whereas I think they were you know maybe more focused on on defense and their own zone. Whereas Bruce Boudreaux's you know willing to trade chances. When you have guys like Besser and and Petey and Hughes, you you have to take those gambles. Right. So. You know, Demko's the guy there to, to bail you out when you do jump into the play and, and take those risks. Yeah, he's kind of acting like your emergency defenseman, I guess, as you can kind of classify any goalie. Yeah, player. he's like your third defenseman out there, and, and that's that's important. You know, he can help move the puck and, and get the team in transition, and, and those are really all important aspects of the game. Yeah, I think he's probably the most, if you're classifying him as a defenseman, he's probably the most reliable defenseman we've got. I mean, like... If, for example, Hughes made a couple of bad plays last game where they resulted in two-on-ones, but, you know, Nashville didn't uh, capitalize on him because we had Demko in net, like making miraculous saves and keeping keeping us in it. And it, if we don't have Demko to do that, right now Halak's on COVID reserve, so we have Spencer Martin, who's, you know, a, a guy who's not really tested in the NHL. I think he has like three games played, um, and they were all with Tampa, so... He's only got AHL experience. Uh, Mikey DiPietro's not doing well in the AHL currently right now either. So it's, do you really just put, you know, all your bricks into one bag with Demko and just hope? Like, I think that's kind of what they have to do. 
I totally agree. I think that's what you have to do at, at, at this point. I know there's, you know, trade rumblings a couple of weeks ago about Halak because he's yeah. easy to do some, like, bonuses and things of that nature. And, you know, like, Halak's a good backup goaltender, and, and you're going to need him down the stretch, or you're going to need reliable goaltending down the stretch because Demko is going to have to carry the, the load, but he's going to need some breaks too. If he doesn't yeah. get those breaks, like, he's going to start to show that, that burnout. And, you know, I think it's a, a similar situation here in Toronto with Jack Campbell. Like, he's yeah. carried the load a lot for the Maple Leafs. And, you know, there was a lot of questions going into the season whether he could carry that load. And, you know, that's part of the reason why they got Peter Mrazek. And Mrazek's been injured for most of the year. And to this point, you know, Campbell has played exceptional hockey and he's an all-star and he deserves to be an all-star. But I think Leafs fans have that same worry about about burnout. You know, Mm -hmm. he's on pace to play a lot of games and a lot of minutes. And that Toronto team gives up a lot of shots. So, you know, I I think it's a similar situation with the goaltending is you, you do have to worry about... Uh, you know, burnout in your starters. Now, I, I'd say the one benefit to Toronto is they do have Mrazek, and he's back, and he's healthy. And, you know, as you mentioned with the Canucks, like, their backup situation is a little bit more in flux. Mm-hmm. You, with, even with Toronto, too, though, like, if Mrazek goes down, like, you guys are banking on Justin Wall. Right? Uh, like, yeah, and, and, and we saw him earlier in the year, and he, he had some spells where he was pretty good, and then yep. he had some spells where he looked like he was an American League goaltender and, yeah. and that's fine like he, he's young and, and he has to learn and it's a totally different game but yeah if you if you get hurt you know Mrazek gets hurt then all of a sudden you're down to Wall and Michael Hutchinson and I mean Toronto fans have yeah. seen the Michael Hutchinson story a Jeez. few times now so <laughs> I think you know, every team I, I don't has think that's a spell with Hutchinson every single uh, team has every, t- every yeah there's been a lot of teams that have the spell with Hutchinson and you know like Hutchinson's a good goaltender but like he's not he you know he's not a number one or number two anymore but you know he can fill in some gaps but you know it also it's a confidence thing when he's when he's in that or any goaltender's in the net like you know the the team just has more confidence mm-hmm. uh you know they know that you know if Demko's there he's going to make that save uh, if Jack Campbell's there, he's going to make that save. You know, if your backup goal is in and lets in, you know, a weak goal uh, or a goal, you know, he should have had, then, you know, all of a sudden the players start, you know, gripping the sticks a little bit tighter. And, yep. You know, worrying about those double clutching and, you know, thinking, oh, we got to, you know, defend more than, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you're, you're changing your game. So, true. you know, I, I think the goaltending is a very, very pivotal uh, position. Yeah, and it's good that Canucks do have some uh... i guess they're just solid in the de- in the goaltending air- like realm right now where they don't have to worry about trying to find a new goaltender because we've got demko uh... for a while i think it's just trying to limit the amount of shots that we give him um, because like you, like you said you can't have him face forty shots a game especially on a road trip like we just had where we were versing florida versus washington you know going into nashville who's a top team as well it's like you're you're really banking on uh, on Demko to have a couple of crazy games. And um, he played okay in a couple, but, you know, we'd left him out to dry in the Florida game, and it cost, right? Yeah, um, and, and, and I think that's that's a tough road trip too, right? Totally. Like, Florida's one of the best teams, if not the best team, you know, in the league. And, yeah. You know, we, we talk about the amount of starts for Demko, and, like, you know, his career high is 35, which was last year. He's already at 32. Like, he's yep. going to surpass that easily, you know, in the next week. So... You know, it's it's going to be you know interesting to see how how he you know responds to the workload. Uh, you know, I think Bruce Boudreau has you know a history of riding his number one goalie as as most coaches do. And you know, if the Canucks are going to you know make the playoffs and, and be a playoff team, and from the start of the season, I thought they were a playoff team. Me too. Uh, I, I I think you need to ride Demko and you know see what happens, but. You know, he he hasn't showed any signs of, of slowing down yet. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so the Canucks just have to, yeah, no wear and tear yet. So the Canucks just have to hope that that continues. This might be a situation where we go into like old school goaltending days where we have like a Broder situation where he plays like 70 games of 82, <laughs> you know, and it's. It, 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 it very well might be, yeah. It very well might be, you know, the, the Patrick Waugh, Marty Broder, Curtis Joseph days where, yeah. you know, they, they play, you know, 75 of the games or, or whatever it is. And, you know, that, that's. You know, you, you look at some backup goalies back then, and you, you see they have like four, five starts here and yeah, there, the and K it's Whitmore like, well, era. the came up where, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think you know, I I would actually be curious to see, you know, depending how Halak, you know, comes out of COVID or you know the wear and tear down the stretch, if you know, maybe Vancouver goes out and picks up another goalie just, yeah. just as an insurance marker, you know, like like. Depends who's going to be out there and who's going to be available, but you know I, I think that's something you have to look at. You know, in 
you know, if also Vancouver's still exploring the possibility of, of moving Halak, like I think it also depend on, you know, where where the team is come the come the trade deadline. Like like most teams, like I think they'll be in a good position. Uh, I mean, they're playing great hockey right now, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, everyone listening and everyone in Vancouver would agree that this is the this is the Canucks team that we we thought we would see through the year, yeah, uh, through the season, and I, I think that's only going to continue. Yeah, and it de- it really depends on how the other teams do. I mean, right now we're in a battle with Edmonton. We just passed them. Um, we know a little bit yeah. about how that that uh, <laughs> situation's going. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later too. Um, but yeah, like the this team right now, there's a lot of fans that are are thinking, "Wow, like we got the Pedersen that we we want now. Like he's on the resurgence." Um, my hot take though is I don't I don't think Pedersen's fully back yet. I still I in the last game I saw him double clutch a couple of times. He had that one play where everybody was calling for shoot at like two or three seconds left. I think it was in the second period, and uh, he flubbed it. Like he didn't even take the shot. I think he fanned on it and fell, and the whole uh, arena was kind of like booing him. Um, so I don't know if his confidence is all there yet. Um, I, I I know a lot of fans are like, we love Pedersen, you know, keep him around forever. But I I just don't know if he's fully, you know, back to normal Pedersen that we saw in like his rookie years, you know. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, it happens almost every year where, you know, a player holds out from camp and then they come in and they're, you know, they're, they're kind of playing catch up a little bit. And mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Like, I know it happened with Willie Nylander a few years yep. ago and like he had an awful year when he held out. You know, I, I, I don't think PD missed too much of, of training camp uh, for that to be, you know, play a factor but i i totally agree i don't think he's the player that you know he was his, his rookie like his rookie year, he was dominant he was a guy that, that you notice every single night yeah on the ice uh, he was making plays 28 goals yeah and like maybe for me another guy that i'm waiting to see just like take over is brock besser like oh. i've been waiting for this guy to take over like he has all the skills he's like your prototypical power forward he can skate he can shoot he's got the size and like he just, it feels like he just hasn't put it all together yet. And it, it, it's too bad because he, he's such a great player. He's such a great player at the University of North Dakota. He came in, you know, his first full season, 29 goals. You know, he's he's got all the tools. I'm just, I'm just waiting for him to, you know, really put it all together. Yeah, all the tools, no toolbox yet. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, I, I mean, he scored last game, uh, a nice little tip in in front. Um, but yeah, he, he's another guy, this, this whole power play, when I watched the power play form, it all is led by JT Miller. And then last game Horvat, uh, was in COVID protocol. So they put Pedersen or, um, uh, they put Pearson up in uh, Horvat's position. So we were thinking, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well, is Pearson really the guy that you want to have in bumper? Or do you want to slot Besser into bumper for that play that they ended up scoring on? Um, and, and I think Boudreaux is really just. He's throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, let's put people out there on the power play that we wouldn't have thought to play. Um, and I hope he does the same thing with Mott, because apparently, I mean, this this might just be a rumor, but apparently Tyler Mott's trade value is a low first-round pick, like 25th to wow. 32nd. Wow. That would be... That would be impressive if you get a first rounder for Tyler Mott. Right. Like third I would think liner. he's probably yeah, I would think he's a you know, second, third line, third round pick, maybe. That's what I was thinking. Uh you know, I, I the thing is around the trade deadline, right? Like values always, you know, skyrocket. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, I I, I would be I'd be surprised if someone gave up a first for, for Tyler Mott, but you know, maybe. I I, I think, you know, back to your question, I think Bruce Boudreaux still figuring things out too, right? So like, I think he's going to try a bunch of different combinations until he finds something that, you know, he really likes. Uh, and you know, I I think he will move things around mm-hmm. as the season goes. Uh, I, I I think you could see you know a different power play unit, you know, well, a couple different game. times through through the week. Yeah, even every game. I I think you know a Wednesday and a Saturday could look you know totally different. Right. Uh, you know, I I think he's still figuring out what he has with that team and the what he can do to get the the best out of them. And I agree. I think I think Besser should be playing like like a bumper or you know in, he should be a slot guy. Set him up for those one timers in the slot. You know, he's yep. got that killer shot. He's got that heavy shot. I think he's a guy you got to find the you got to get the puck to. Yeah, I think looking at the roster too, they have uh, Pud Coles and who they're trying to. They're really 
looking at like, hey, you know, do we go with Pod Coles in here or do we go with Hoglander here? Because it's it's two similar type players. They're both young. They're both trying to develop. And the the roster spots that we have and like the the the, the spots in the lineup, like we have to pick one or the other often. So it's like one person will play second line, the other person will play third and way less minutes. And prior back in the green era, it was always Hoglander getting the time. And now it's all Pod Colson getting the time because he's starting to produce with Pedersen. Um, I hope that like the way the development goes, I hope that Pod Colson gets into a position where he's kind of like in like a, like a Ilya Kovalchuk for our team where he's a goal scorer, but can also be the guy you rely on for a good assist or something like that too. I mean, maybe it's just me thinking like, oh, it's, you know, a Russian player and a Russian player, but I think there definitely is some similarities. They're big guys. Yeah, like they, they're big guys and, and they're young. Like he's still going to, f- you know, fill into that body and he's still going to grow. He's about only 20, you know, yeah. like he's, he's still got a lot of growing to do. He's going to fill out in, and, and yeah, like you said, like it, it's his rookie year. He's still learning the North American game. Like he comes over from the KHL, you know, it's a, it's a much different game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he's got all the skills. He's, you know, he's showing that he's got a good shot. He's, he's got good hands. Uh, you know, he's he's definitely a weapon for the Canucks out there on the on the power play and five on five. Like he, he's a he's a guy that you don't really notice too much out there, but he's sneaky good. You know, like he can yeah. get into those you know greasy areas. He can get the puck out. He can he can get a uh, you know a quick release shot on goal. Uh, he's he's an entertaining player to watch. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's a lot of people who are watching Canucks games now and starting to look at a, a couple of the other players that don't get looked at as much, like. You know, when you watch Canucks game, you're like, oh, JT Miller, Pedersen, Horvat, etc., Besser. Um, but now it's like, oh, okay, we have Pod Colson, we got Hoglander, we got Mott. Like, especially if that trade value is accurate. Like, um, it, it, they might, there might be a team like Tampa that tries to pull off um, like a Blake Coleman deal where they, you know, give up a first round pick for like a third rounder or, or a, third, a third liner. But that third liner plays a vital piece in their, uh, in their playoff run, right? That's that's the exact guy I thought of when you when you brought him <laughs> up. Tyler Mott was was Blake Coleman because that's exactly what you know Tampa did a few years ago, and Coleman was huge for them in, in those mm-hmm. two playoff runs. Like he scored some big goals for them, and you know he's a guy that's you know not afraid, and, and just like Mott, he's a guy that's not afraid to go in there and mix it up. And yep. you know I, I think you know those types of players know their role on the team, and they'll do whatever whatever they need to do and I, I i wouldn't be surprised if a team definitely goes out and tries to acquire mod I, I i also think vancouver can hold on to them if they're if they're in the playoff race right yeah so i i think you know a lot is still to be determined between now and you know the trade deadline um but i you know if vancouver is going to deal him and get a first rounder i would 100 percent you know, pull the trigger on, on that, on that deal. Yeah, I, I agree. I love Mont. I think he's a, an amazing part of this team because he's like a, a great character guy for the team. But yeah, I mean, getting a first rounder for him, like even if it's low 25th to 32nd pick, like you got to take that and you got to see what it can become into because Tyler Mott, in my opinion, is a permanent third round or a third line player. Like he's, he'll, he'll play the same game as Barkley uh, Goudreau. He'll play the same game as Blake Coleman. Um, and if he gets put into a position where he needs to play second line, for example, he is not going to produce the same way that he was on the third line. Um, we see that now with Blake Coleman in Calgary. Like he's, he's more relied on uh, as like, okay, Hey, you need to get us goals. Like you're going to play power play. And he's not really suited for that style of game. He's there for the shorthanded goals. He's there for shorthanded play. You know, he's there to mix it up in the corners, get into the team skin and, that's why he gets paid the money he does. And that's kind of the same, that's probably the same reason why Mott, if he doesn't uh, re-sign with Vancouver, might be making three to 3.5, 4 million bucks at another team. Yeah, it, it, it's true. I, I think, you know, sometimes players' values are also, you know, not inflated, but a you know, bit, look though. at Blake Coleman. Like, Blake Coleman got a pretty, like, you know, pretty good contract from the Calgary Flames. Yeah. Like, is he worth that much money? I mean, you can make the argument he is, but I also think you make the argument that, you know, he's, you know, maybe in the, you know, the three, $3 million range or $3.5 yeah. $3. million range. And like, that's, that's nothing against Blake Coleman. Like he's a great player and he's, he's got, you know, all the tools, but he's the guy who's eating up, you know, a decent portion of Calgary's cap space right now. And he's playing third, fourth line in the flames right now. Like he's yeah. not a, he's not a top six forward and 
you know, he's very much a, a Daryl Sutter type player, you know, gets in there and, you know, causes problems, not yeah. a, you know, not afraid to throw the, his weight around, can score goals, has good hands. Like we see him score some like unbelievable goals over the last couple of years, whether he's, you know, those diving goals he had yeah. in the playoffs or, you know, that one handed goal he had against the, the Jets a few years ago when he's with the Devils. Like he's a guy that can score goals. Uh, and, you know, Tyler Mott's, you know, a, a similar player in, in that regard, where it's, you know, it's, it's more of a probably a, a defense first, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for Tyler Mott. And, you know, that's important come the playoffs. I mean, look at, you know, any team that's won the Stanley Cup over the last couple of years or have had a good playoff run. Like, they're, they have good defensive teams. You know, they can score goals, but they also need guys that can keep them out. And, you know, again, going back to the Toronto Maple Leafs here, like, they can't play defense. Like yeah. that's their problem, right? Like they, they need a guy like shots. like a Tyler Mott. Yeah, too many shots. They need a you know, a third or fourth line center that can, you know, kill penalties and you know win those crucial draws in the late minutes of the game. And you know, the Leafs, you know, they you know tried to you know shore up their defense last year, and their defense was a lot better. And they got brought in guys like Bogosian because he can shut things down. You know, yep. he's not the sexiest player out on the ice, but he can shut things down. He's there for his defense and. I think that's the that's the type of player you're getting with Tyler Mott. If if teams want to acquire him, you you know you're going to get a, a steady third line center can you know play in those tight checking games, can chip in with some goals, uh, you know be a good complementary piece to a team that's going to make a deep run. Yeah, do you think with uh, Toronto because this kind of this might hit home? It might be a little bit of a sting, but do you think Wayne Simmons has fit his role? with Toronto ever since the uh, the signing? Or do you feel like it's more of a, hey, let's try to put this guy into fourth line and just see what happens kind of deal? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I feel like it's probably more of the, let's throw him into fourth line and, and, and see what happens. Um, I think we've seen flashes uh, of, of the Wayne Simmons where he goes in there and, you know, mix it up and he's not afraid to, you know, uh, drop the gloves. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Leafs fans have this like fantasy of like him playing on like the first line with like Matthews and yeah. Marner and back to you know, the Philly days back back to the Philly days and like he's just not that player anymore he's still a very good player but he's not that guy that's going to score you know 20 goals and have you know 20 assists or whatever yeah. you know like he's just not that 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 type of player anymore you know his his game uh you know is is kind of grind you down it's not you know east west moving the puck fast he's you know he's not he's not the the fleetest of foot and i think everybody realizes that but like he still plays a very important role uh with this team and you know these fans are often like you know love to come up you know with their own uh own line combinations but uh you know it's always it's always like oh why is uh why is Wayne Simmons on the fourth line tonight with Spats? He should be on the, the first line with Matthews. And yeah, like, like Joe okay, Thornton like, played. Joe, Joe Thornton played, yeah. And, like, like it, you look at Wayne Simmons, like, that's a that's a great guy. Like, on the fourth line, fills a role, but then all of a sudden he's on the power play, and he has that net front presence. Mm-hmm. And that's that's important. That, like, that's an important role. But it's it's weird, though, because it's still, it's still Wayne Simmons, right? Like, I think the, I think the entire game of hockey now, especially uh, – late like 2016 and onwards like we've really seen the Wayne Simmons type of player start to be not really needed on a team like back when Zach Cassian was like oh we need this dude we're gonna pay him three million bucks and he's gonna be beside our star Wayne Simmons was that like the Claude Giroux Voracek uh, line in Philly um, you know you have all these all these Lucic for example right like another guy who was a super vital piece. David Clarkson, I know that's another dig to Toronto, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and like Nathan Horton, for example, like goes to Columbus, everybody's like, oh, this is going to be great. He's going to protect our young guys. He's going to protect, you know, Brandon Dubinsky, the the god at the time. And, you know, the, their, their position or the game that they played, it didn't really bring a lot of value because everything was so fast. So I think being able to put Wayne Simmons uh, or your Zach Cassian onto the third line, fourth line is a good move. Wayne Simmons more than uh, Zach Casting because Wayne Simmons is only making like 700K. Um, but you're starting to see this game get faster and faster, and players that play that type of style, they just don't, they're not noticed as much anymore. I, I, absolutely. I think that that's the problem with, with Wayne Simmons is is that like the game is, not as a problem, but it, the game has changed so it's much evolving. from his Flyers days. It's evolving, exactly. And like when he's with the Flyers, like 
he could play that rough and tumble and slow the game down and and grind it out but that's it's just not how the game's played right now yeah. and you know Wayne Wayne Simmons fits a very specific role on this team and he's a good team teammate by all accounts and you know he he comes and he you know he brings it every night like you do notice him out there on the ice but like you also notice that he's not the Wayne Simmons that that he was you know he's not the you know 32 goal scorer Wayne Simmons he yeah. was and with the, with the Flyers right and and, and and that's okay, but you know you, you're also you need you need to make sure you're getting something out of those types of players, and like you know you look at that fourth line on the least, and you have Wayne Simmons, and you have Jason Spezza, and like Spezza's a, 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 a similar player. Like he you know he he's on the second power play unit, he fits a role. He's probably adapted a little bit better to the style of the game now. And, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's his size and his skill. Like, he, you know, he still has all the skill. And, you know, he, he does fit a role. But you see there are two guys that you see that they're on the fourth line. You're like, oh, okay, they're out there. Like, you know, yeah. like nothing. You're not going to do anything, you know, to hurt your team. But they're not going to do anything to, like, lift you up out of your seat and be like, oh, man, did you see that? Did you see I mean, Wayne spe- Simmons' unreal goal last game? Yeah, I mean, Spezza did have that nasty goal against the Canucks last year when he had the hat trick. Yeah, uh, just yeah. to rub that in. But yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think too, like, like when the Leafs brought in Wayne Simmons, like they they had Matt Martin for a couple of years, and then oh, you know the Matt Martin left, and then the days, yeah, and then they went you know a season or two where they didn't have you know a quote unquote tough guy on on, on their team, and. And you could see, like, the Matthews and the Marners and the Tavares, like, they were getting pushed around yeah. a little bit, and they needed to do something. And Wayne Simmons is a guy that is going to come in, and he's going to step up, and he's going to protect those guys. He's going to protect the young guys. Uh, we, we saw it earlier this year when um, Neil Pionk went after. Yeah. He had that knee-on-knee on Rasmus Sandin. Oh, yeah. And, and so, yeah, and then, and then Spezza got involved, and then Wayne Simmons got involved, and... You know, th- those two guys are, are character guys, and, th- and I think that's important for this Leafs team. Yeah, because when Matthews and Tavares are seeing these guys step up and play, and maybe not Spezza. Like, I don't I don't classify Spezza as, like, a, a rough-and-tumble player, but he's starting to evolve into that. It's It started in Dallas. Um, but, yeah, like, both of them uh, sticking up for the, the younger guys, especially Sandine. Like, he's super young, too. Um, I, I bet that probably left like a really big lasting impression on Sheldon Keefe and the team. So like, all right, cool. We're, we're a bond. We're a family now, right? That, that kind of um, is good for the remainder of the season too. Cause you know, you get a little bit more buy-in from all the guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think that was, you know, there's a lot of things said in the media about when Mike Babcock left the team and, yeah. you know, I, I think one of the things that like Sheldon Keefe has done a really good job of is like bringing this team together um, you know, and, and, and like you can you can see it on the bench, like he's joking around with the players after goals, and you know it looks like it, you know you know winning winning makes everything easier too, right? Yeah, so that's like true. Uh, you know they're they're one of the best teams in, in the league, and you know they had a they had a not so good start, and people were starting to you know press the panic button, and it's it's like it's <laughs> Toronto, it's probably similar in Vancouver, like it like it happens. Yeah, toxic uh, markets, but it, toxic markets, and you know I mean you're seeing it right now in, in Edmonton, right? Oh, like yeah. it's it's toxic right now and that's that's not the environment you want i think sheldon keith has you know made you know the locker room and the team you know a really good environment to be around yeah so you you brought it up like i i really this was a huge take on in edmonton um it's funny because it was sent in our group chat first i didn't watch the presser i didn't watch it i just i heard um the why are you so pissy leon remark and uh i i would didn't even watch it, and I already had a take on it. So I was, like, sharing in the group chat. I'm like, you know what? I do think that um, reporters, I mean, you know, beat writers, reporters, like, they want to get the biggest and most important, um, they want big and controversy, right? Because that's what's going to sell their their takes. That's what's going to have people watch their articles and stuff like that. Um, but then after I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a little bit of a dig. It's like, you know, com- commenting on Leon. Uh, for being pissy. And if anybody hasn't seen this, uh, Leon Dreisaitl was running a um, a press conference. I guess it must have been after a practice or something like that. And um, what was it? Jim Jim Matheson? Jim Matheson, yeah. Yeah, Jim Matheson. Yeah. Um, he was pressing Leon a little bit about the team's losses and what they need to change. And Leon was being a little short, but, you know, fair enough. I mean, I'd probably be in the same position anyway. And, um, and then the reporter comes back, fires back, Leon, why are you so pissy? 
did you think over the last two years you've been second in your division and you showed a lot of maturity, but now you've lost six in a row twice. Did you think your team was past that, of not getting into these long losing streaks? Sure, yeah. Um, lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we've got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? No. Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not a very good one. Okay. Well, I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. Yeah. So, Brandon, what is, uh, what's your take on this? Because you kind of almost have a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a bond to it, but you've, you've seen this before. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I saw the clip, I've seen this to you, I, I saw the clip and, and I went back and forth on it. And, like, you know, like, I, I've had, you know, the privilege to, you know, work in, in sports media for, you know, close to 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've had a chance to be in locker rooms and be in those media scrums and, and deal with coaches. And I've been in, in some media scrums where it, it got uncomfortable and it got hostile. And yeah. I, you know, I was the young guy in there. And I was like, okay, like, uh, what's, <laughs> time what's, to pack uh, it up. what do I, what do I do? Yeah. It's time to pack it up and go home. But, uh, you know, it, it, it can be uncomfortable and like, I, I watched that clip and I was like, okay, like, I, I, like I get it from Leon Dreisaitl's point of view. Like, it's never, it's never fun to lose. And yeah. they are not a good team right now. And they have a lot of problems. Yep. And, you know, they, they started, what, 9-1 and one this season? Yeah. And Hyman was ripping for the team, they, too. As you mentioned, Hyman was on fire and he got that big contract. And as you mentioned earlier, like, the Canucks just passed him in the standings. Like... You know, it was, you know, Stanley Cup or bust early on for, mm -hmm. for the Edmonton Oilers. And now, you know, they've hit this this tail slide and they're they're a mess right now. Like their goaltending is is not good. Their defense has not been good. Yep. Uh, you know, Connor McDavid and, and Leon can only do so much. Mm -hmm. Uh so no you know, I, I understand no depth. Yeah. I, I, I understand the the frustration from, from Leon. I think the one problem is like he's a leader on that team. Yeah. And you know, when you see him out there, you know, making those, you know, having that exchange, like that carries over into the room, I'm sure. And, you know, ev everybody's talking about it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's a good look on him. Uh, you know, I, I also think, you know, maybe Jim Matheson could have, you know, handled it a little bit better and maybe not, you know, ask him why he's being so pissy, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, choose a different word or like, you could tell that it, it got hostile really quick. And, totally. You, you know, can tell in the I, tone I, of voice too, eh? Like when when Matheson came back there. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and you know, I, I think you know Matheson has a like he's got a job to do. He needs to ask the questions, and and I and I, I totally understand that. And you know, I I feel like a, like what are the Oilers going to say right now? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what can they actually say that is going to like satisfy the media of like, hey, this is what we need to do. Like, I'm sure they're all aware of what they need to do. So, you know, being asked about it every single day, I'm, I'm sure is, is, is tough on that. That's, that's not a, an, an excuse for a, a reaction that he had. But, you know, you can see the frustration in Connor McDavid after Saturday's game. I think yeah. Matheson was asking him the question as well. And McDavid says something like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, like, he, like, like he, you know, he's at a loss for words too, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, just, it's just not a good situation. I, I mean, like, I feel like, you know, they need to make a change, but it did, you know, I, I thought that would have happened already. Yeah. I think a lot of people were banking on the Vander Kane situation too. Um, doesn't, yep. doesn't seem like that's going to be happening for a while, but yeah, like Leon Dreisaitl is a leader for the team. McDavid's a leader for the team. You know, they're like the face that they're the McDavid's the face of the league in general. And Dreisaitl is another face for, uh, for the entire organization. So people, a lot of people are saying like, does Matheson have the right to push, you know, 
because like if you were in dry subtle shoes yeah like if you ask somebody hey what do you guys need to change he probably doesn't even know what you need to change like this they've had success prior playing the exact same style of game and now for example it's not working so is it something minor is it some is it a character issue is it a goaltending issue is it a defense issue like if dry subtle just came out and he's like yeah we need better goaltending like that's going to make a bigger splash in the media than doing like what he did where he was you know acting short and not really reacting to the to the media because it's probably so frustrating for for Dreisaitl to, you know, get these questions, like you said, daily and repeat the same fluffy answer. Because it's like, what are you supposed to say? You're not going to be like, oh, you know what? My, you know, Mike Smith played awful. I can't, we're not going to, we're not winning because of that. You're going to have to take the more, you know, standard soft approach. Like, hey, we have to work better as a team and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I think you have to, you know, pull out all those those cliches that that we're all used to yeah. hearing. And it, I mean, I think pucks you look at a, a couple pucks in deep. And you look at a couple weeks ago when uh, the Oilers, I think they, I want to say they were at MSG to face the Rangers, and Koskinen gave up that terrible goal, oh. and then Dave Tippett called them out right after the game. Yeah, and then Koskinen's initial reaction wasn't like I need to be better. It was like, well, the the offense isn't scoring me goals. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, right. Like, like you know, like all of a sudden, you know tensions start to build inside the room as well so like yeah like leon can't come out there and be like oh yeah we need better goaltending like i think everybody knows we need better goaltending mm -hmm. but you know leon as a leader i don't think can necessarily say that but i you know i understand you know jim matheson having to ask the ask the question like he's got a, he's got a job to do yeah and like you know maybe i'm not the best person to to kind of speak on it because i haven't been through it but i think with i guess any reporter going in and trying to get an answer for a question they have that question that they're at, that they're asking is literally just for like their company that they're working for. So whether it's like the athletic or whatever, if they're the people that report on this and they're the one who gets the answer from, from uh, dry subtle and gets a reaction out of them, like they, like that happened yesterday, like that is going to be so important for the athletic because people are going to tune into the athletic now and be like, Whoa, I want to listen to what happened here. I want to listen to what he said. Right. Um, so it's kind of like when it's kind of like paparazzi, right? Like paparazzi is there to try to get a reaction and then they are going to sell, you know, their article, their, their, uh, their news story as much as they can. So I think Matheson did his job. Yeah. Maybe he could have done it a little bit differently so that he doesn't get a reaction like that to keep the fan base in tune and like the players not angry at media, but I think he got what he wanted. Uh, yeah. And like, I, I think, you know, looking back at it, I'm sure both guys wish that they handled it maybe a little bit differently. Like, I don't think either guy came off, you know, super well in that exchange. Yeah, it wasn't professional. Uh, it, it, it wasn't, yeah, I, I think, you know, from, from both points of view. And I, I think, like, you know, Leon is obviously frustrated. Um, you know, he, he he wants to win. He's, a, you know, a super competitive guy. He's a super fun to watch out on the ice. Yep. But, you know, losing takes its toll and and i think you're seeing with that with this team right now and i think you know like you said like you want to get clicks if you're if you're the media like i like i, I totally get that you know you know i'm in the media i i understand that we want to get views on or to clicks on on our website and yep. you know our, you know eyeballs on our screens but you know i i also think i i don't think it's necessary for, like, for leon drysaddle doesn't have to give him my take is Leon Drysaddle doesn't need to give him a good answer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like Jim Matheson was like, you know, can you, he said something like, can you expand on it? And yeah. Leon's nope. like, nope. Like, like we know what we need to do. And like, I, I like, yeah, that's not a sexy quote, but like, it's not Leon's job to give you a good quote. It's, yeah. you know, your job to ask the good questions. Right. So, you know, I, I, I think, you know, both guys need to need to share a little bit of responsibility about it. Um, yeah. You know, I think it, Leon comes off looking a lot worse. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, it's it's tough, too, because like when you're I think there's a there's a lot of um, you could really stem this all the way back to like the John Tortorella days, like when John Tortorella would get asked like a I don't know, I guess a dumb question or a question that's super redundant. You know, he'll react in kind of a similar way where he'll be blunt. He'll be, you know, forceful and say, like, hey, like, that was a stupid question. I'm not answering that. Right. And he'll get fined for it. So when you're making, you know, $8 million, $9 million, $10 million, $12 million, it's 
it kind of goes with the territory. Like you should be able to take feedback. You should be able to take, you know, tough, maybe ironic or, or uh, idiotic questions sometimes, but you have to be able to answer those in a professional way. So I, I tend to agree. I think Dreisaitl, it's not his responsibility to give a perfect answer, but I also blame it a little bit on Jim Matheson with the question he asked because it was kind of a, it was a dig of a question. It wasn't a, hey, what are you guys going to do differently going forward? It was more like, what have you not done well? Kind yeah, of thing. I, I think for me, I think his initial reaction was like, you know, he, he asked the question, Drysaddle gave him his answer, and then that's how like things got escalated. Like, Matheson didn't like the answer. So then everything got escalated from there. And, you know, I, I think that's where, you know, it really, you know, went off the rails a little bit. And yeah. I think both guys wish they... You know they did a little bit better better and i think both guys wish they were probably a little bit more professional as you mentioned and you know i, I you know as we said like dry is a leader on that team like he needs you know he's out there facing the questions he doesn't have to be out there facing the questions but he is but when you you're, you're going to be that face out there answering the questions you got to answer them yeah you know what i mean like you you have to you have to be able to you know, deal with the media. Like that, that's part of the game. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, you know, as we said before, I, I think both guys probably share the responsibility. I, I, I'm curious to see what their next interaction is going to be like. Yeah. Uh, it'd be awkward. You know, like it's going to be awkward, but like, you know, these guys see each other every day, almost every day. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they'll probably have a, a chat, you know, you know, off the record, you know, away from the cameras, they'll clear the air and, and they'll move so. forward because, you know, I don't think Jim Matheson is going anywhere uh, in Edmonton, uh, you know, and he's been there, you know, a Hall of Fame writer. He's been there for a very long time. And Leon Dreisaitl's, you know, maybe, you know, third, fourth best player in the league. Like, he's not going anywhere, you know. He's, yeah. he's a top five player. So, like, you know, these guys are going to have to, you know, get along. You know, and, you, know man, you mentioned Tortorella, like, People in the media didn't didn't love him, but you know, people understood. You know, they they learned to deal with him, and yeah. you know, passionate not guy. not that that's passionate guy and a fiery guy. Uh, and I think anybody that you talk to has dealt with towards, they'll say like he is a great guy, but but he yeah. is a fiery guy. Yeah. And I think that you know, you, 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 I feel like you know you have to you have to pick your battles sometimes too, and I, I think looking back, both guys are going to be, uh, you know, upset with how they handled that situation. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you too. I think they're probably going to take a moment and just say like clear the air. Hey, this didn't go as well as we wanted. You know, I apologize on either side, and you know, move on. Like, you know, why have this tarnish or this this tarnish of your brand for being somebody who's supposed to be in the media like Dreisaitl for example and have it be tarnished by one incident so that going forward everybody asks like hey are, why are you pissy like why did you react the way you did why are you so angry like stuff like that whereas if he just clears the air it's just it's smooth sailing going forward right yeah and, and you know what and you know what solves everything winning yeah they need to true. win right if they just win then this is this is a non-story, is and like they they need the you know those you know support players to you know pick it up a little bit. Like you look at like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's got three goals. Yeah, you know they're paying him all they're paying him a lot of money to score three goals. You know Tyson Berry's had an off year after he had a great year last year with the team. True. You know Zach Cassian's only got five goals. Warren Fogle's got five goals. You know they only have four players in double digits in goals. Like. You know, they have Drysaddle McDavid, who are at 54, 53 points. And then the next closest guy is Hyman at 21. Yeah. Like, that's a huge drop. Like, you you need those support players. I, I think it's almost taking this approach of, like, limit the amount of ice time that the Drysaddle and McDavid get and give more ice time to some of the players like the Kyle Turrises, the, you know, the Devin Shores. See, if, see what they'll do if you give them nine minutes, ten minutes a game, right? Maybe even 14 minutes a game. And if you're in a position where you're down by one or two in the third, okay, double stack your line, right? Dry settle McDavid Pugliarvi again, right? Run that till the till the last whistle. And if you get a goal back, great. If not, you could say, okay, we tried it with Devin Shore. We tried it with Kyle Turris. We tried it with Derek Ryan. It's not working. These pillars or these players, they don't fit our model of game. We have to use these people as, as kind of pawns when it comes to this trade deadline. And, and I, I think... I, t I completely agree, and I, I think 
similar to the Canucks, everyone thought the Oilers were going to be a playoff team. Right. You know, I, I don't know anymore. Like, yeah. like, can, like can, they, can they get there? Like, McDavid and Dreisaitl can, can only do so much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saw a tweet the other day. Uh, I can't recall who it was from, but they threw it out there. It's like, how many first-round picks could you get for Connor McDavid? Like, cool. if Connor McDavid wanted a trade out of Edmonton, like, he's a guy that wants to win. Right. If he wa- I'm not saying it ever happened. There's no way Edmonton would ever trade him. But if they did, how many first-round picks or what could you get for Connor McDavid? And that, that got me thinking, like, what, like, four first-rounders? Five? Like, is that crazy? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking like, I was, I was talking, I was talking actually about, uh, if McDavid leaves the, leaves the Oilers, I was talking about this yesterday. Um, is it like this team, if they wanted to ship McDavid off, they'd probably want to get another pillar that's already cemented like a Matthews, you know? And do you add another first round pick on top to get McDavid like Matthews in a first or Matthew or Tavares in two firsts or Tavares in three first for a McDavid, for example. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm thinking like it's gotta be a big, big name player plus maybe two, three, two, three, maybe two first and a second. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. Like I just like, I don't think I don't think there's any chance that Edmonton would would ever trade him. No, no. But, but like, he's a guy that wants to win. He's what 25 now. He's been in the league for you know what six six years, years so far. Yeah, something like he's that. He's been in the seven years, six seven years. He's you know he's been to the playoffs what three times, and one of those was the bubble. So that one's not even counts. You know, yeah. like everybody got invited to the bubble almost, right? So like, you know, they've won. I think one or two rounds with him there. And, you know, they had that collapse the one year against Anaheim. And, you know, like, he's he's the best player in the world. Yeah. And, it, you know, like, you can't get that team to the playoffs with the best player in the world and two of the best players in the world. Like, you know, you got a lot of problems. And I think everybody looked at that team and knew that goaltending was going to be the problem. And I think that's what we've seen this year. Like, they're, they're not getting that save when they need it. And... And they desperately needed, and Mike Smith has missed a bunch of time due to injury, and that's that's been a problem for the team. Yeah, I'm just looking at his stats now. He's so he's been in the year in the league for seven years, and out of those seven years, he's got 21 games played in playoffs, and with 22 points. So his point per game is fine, but that's crazy. Like 21 games in playoffs, right? For a guy who's been in the league for seven years best player in the entire world by almost I would say by a mile like this guy is just in just absolutely insane um and you can kind of almost look at his point his points per game this year still unreal like 53 points in 34 games but in comparison to 105 points in 56 games last year like he's nowhere close to that level no he like last year he was just out of control like he was I mean he is every night now but even last year like it's must-watch TV. Like yeah. he's gonna do something crazy, and like, you, like look at the goals earlier in this year. He had those like back-to-back games where he scored the goals against yeah, the, the Jets and the, and, the and the Rangers. Like those were those were insane. Those are goals of the year by yeah. far. Like it, nothing will come close. And he makes you say wow every night. And you know, like Oilers fans are so fortunate. They've had McDavid. They've had Gretz. You know, yeah. they. But you know. They, the Oilers have had so many first-round picks over the years, and for whatever reason, it, whether it's the Taylor Halls or the Ryan Nugent Hawkins or the Neil Yakupovs, <laughs> like it just hasn't worked, and I, I I don't understand why it hasn't worked, but it just it, it hasn't worked. There's been like very little stability with the head coaching position. Like they've gone through so many different head coaches. They had, you know yeah. they went through the, the period where they had you know Pat Quinn. And uh, um, Rennie, and they had um, uh, Todd McClellan, and now they have uh, Tippett. Like they had McTavish in there for yeah. a spell. Like it, it, there's there's been very little consistency uh, with, with that team, and it's you know they have the two best players, you know maybe the two best players in the league, two top five players in the league, right. and they're they're still struggling. Like that's that's a problem. Yeah, there's um there's a lot of people saying that they have to start playing like Evan Bouchard in a role like they are, like um, Noah Dobson is in the Islanders where they're playing a first line power play because he's a young guy um, and, uh, and potentially one of their 
I would say probably their best point getter defenseman. I mean, he's leading all defensemen on the team in points, believe it or not. Um, and yeah, like this team just cannot get its groove. Like Yamamoto is not pr- producing. Going back to those first round picks, like you were talking about. Um, yeah, this team has been in a weird, a weird situation. Like Puliyarvi didn't work out. Yakupov didn't work out. Um, even going back to like Broberg now too, like they had Broberg, they're expecting him to be like the next big thing and he's not looking too great in the AHL. So it's, I don't know if it's just the development's not working out. Like they're, they're a team that seems like when, when they're, when they do decide to draft a player, it, they don't develop. So what they do is they'll ship that player off for like nothing. They'll ship it off for like the Griffin Reinhardt deal back in the day. Well, I mean that that the, that Griffin Reinhardt deal, like they must look at that, and that just probably hurts, hurts so much, right? Like Matt Barzell, yeah, Coquitlam boy, ended up and and ended up he exactly ended up being that pick, and like can you just imagine this team with Barzell on the wing to McDavid, like yeah, oof, fast speed, speed kills, like it'd be unbelievable. But you know, I, I also feel like you know, the Oilers went through a period of time where like they rushed players through that development. Like right. Taylor Hall had made that jump right from the OHL right to the NHL. Neil Yakupov, same thing. Jordan Eberle, uh, who was, you know, a, a later round pick. Mm-hmm. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like those guys didn't spend much, much time developing. Um, you know, it, you know, they're, they're all, you know, Yakupov aside, they're all good players. Yeah. And, you know, they're all still in the league and they've had good careers, but, you know, they've rushed them along so so quickly that, you know, by the time they, you know, like look like at Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall's a great example. He ended up winning the Hart Trophy, uh, you know, as a league MVP after he left Edmonton. You know, like, you, you guys trade away an MVP. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I, I, I think, you know, they had him there for so many losing years that it just wore on him. And, you know, they needed, they thought maybe, you know, they need to make a change. And they had McDavid at that point and they need, they knew they needed to shore up the defense. So they made the trade for, for Larson and, you know, like Adam Larson, good defenseman, but is he Taylor Hall? Like, no, you, like, no right. Like I, I think, uh, Pierre Shirley had that famous quote when they made the trades. He said something like, he's not sexy. Yeah. When he, when he made the trade, like, yeah, like, no, you're right. Like he's not sexy. Like he's not going to bring you out of your feet, but you know, he's also, you know, a second, probably a second pairing defenseman, whereas Taylor Hall's, you know, a, a top line winger at the time. Yeah, an all-star. An all-star, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, you're shipping away Taylor Hall. And, and that's the weird part, too, is, like, they shipped off Taylor Hall at, like, the weirdest time possible. They shipped him right when they get Dreisaitl McDavid. Like, right when they got him. And looking back, you're like, this, this would have been perfect. Like, you have Taylor Hall, who's you know, accepting all these McDavid passes or passing off to McDavid or Dreisaitl on the power play. Like, that's what they... Taylor Hall is just a better version of Hyman now, right? And they've shipped them off uh, for Larson, who, you know... I, I, I would go out on a limb and say if they didn't have Larson, uh, they would be fine, right? They had Chris Russell at the time who could play a similar type game, right? They had a bunch of dudes in the, uh, in the AHL that they could have called up and played D. And then you ship Taylor Hall off and he gets 39 goals in his second year with New Jersey, right? On a New Jersey team that had nothing, dude. He had 93 points and the second pl- best player on the team in points was Nico Heischer with 52 at 18 yeah, years old. It, it, I mean, also, they, they had just drafted Puliarvi, so they thought, oh, you know, Puliarvi can slide into that, that you know, that spot, right? Yeah. Where, where Hall, you know, they trade Hall and, you know. Yeah, like Puliarvi came in and he's a highly touted prospect and, you know, he's a, he's a fine player, but he hasn't, you know, his skills haven't translated to the NHL yet. Yeah. And, you know, and they ended up passing on a guy like Matthew Kachuk, who's taken, you know, two picks later to the flames at number six. Right. Like, yeah. you know, it's, you know, drafting players is, is, is tricky, but you know, you're, I, I feel like with, with the Taylor Hall trade in particular, like they kind of hedged their bets on, okay, we have, we'll be fine with, you know, Nuge, McDavid, Yakupov. Dreisaitl, Yakupov, uh, Pugliarvi. And, it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they had Clefbaum on that one year too in round one. Yeah, they had Clefbaum. I mean, like them losing Clefbaum definitely hurts. Like he was a guy that you know played you know twenty five minutes a night. Like he was a beast out there. He's a big guy, big shot. Yeah, first power play unit. Like they definitely miss him, but the problem is they they never replaced him. Yeah, right. Like, they, like that's on management, right? Like he's been out. You know, he's on his second year out now. Like 
they just never replaced him. And, you know, Evan Bouchard is a, a good player, good offensive player, but he doesn't have the same size as, as Clefbaum. Yeah. I'm looking at this team, man, like back in 2015, 2016, I'm just looking at the roster. It's like every single player that I click on, it's like another first-round pick, like Darnell Nurse, right? Clefbaum. Uh, yep. Justin Schultz was with Anaheim at the time, but yeah, second-round pick. Yakupov, uh, Nuge, Eberly, McDavid, Dreisaitl. Like, it's it's insane. I, I I really don't know what the answer is for this team, but there's been a lot of uh, a lot of drama with how the roster's been shaping up for the All-Star game with the last man in situation. And do you like that that take, like having the last man in, having a player from every single team? I I, I hate the the having of one player from every team. Me too. Like, I, I think that's I think that's so silly. Um I, I, I understand it from the league's point of view. Like they, they wanna showcase uh, a player from every team across the league. But an all-star game is an all-star game. Show me the best players. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, no disrespect to Nick Suzuki or Drake Batherson, but like they're not all stars. Yeah. Like they're good players, but you know, you're telling me that, you know, you'd rather see those two guys, you know, over, you know, a, a skilled flashy guy like uh like Willie Nylander or a Clayton Keller or you know, like you know, there, there's so many good young talented players out there and look, Nick Suzuki and Drake Patterson are good players but they're not all-stars yeah and you know I I think the the whole you know fan voting thing like like I like I get it like get the fans involved and like I know it went off the, you know off the rails pretty quickly with the John Scott thing a few years yeah. ago and everyone had their fun with the John Scott thing but you know I I I, I think you know if you want to showcase the game Show us the best, most skilled players out there on the ice. On yeah. those three on three, like it's wide open. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. I, I, I think you know the last couple of years, you know it's it, it's been a you know entertaining with all the open ice out there. But the game itself has been kind of like blah, in my opinion. Like yeah. it, you know, guys don't really take it too seriously until you get to that like last game where the million dollars is is on oh, the line. Man. But like. I was going through like down like the rabbit hole of old all-star games the other day. And like I was watching, you know, clips of like Solani and Korea just like ripping it up yeah. and Sergei Fedorov and Steve Eiserman. You had like, like five you goals. Know, they, you had five goals and you had like the, the, the gimmick games a couple a couple times where you had like the world versus North America and like yeah. like the, the like I looking at those rosters, I wasn't like going down those rosters, I was like, Oh yeah, that guy should probably shouldn't have been there. Like it's like Messier, Korea, Solani, Gretzky, Fedorov, Eisner, like the, the list is like murderers row. The list is incredible. They're all like <laughs> Hall of Famers. And like I look at the you know, the rosters for this All-Star game and I'm like, okay, like whatever. They're like they're good players, but yeah. are are they all all stars? I like, I don't think so. Like 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 I think like the point that we're probably getting at it, it, the the main point is like Nazem Kadri wasn't named to the All Star yeah. team originally. Like that's a huge miss. Like this guy's on fire this year. This guy's been one of the best players, one of the best stories in the league, mm-hmm. and he's on an absolute tear in a contract year too. So he's gonna get paid in the off season. Yeah, and you know he had to get voted in. And I think it was Nathan McKinnon had that great quote last week. Was like this, like that's silly. Yeah, and it, and it, and it, it is. Like he, one hundred percent should have been on the All Star team to begin with. Yeah, and like uh, like McKinnon said, he's like, we should have six people from our team at that at the All Star game. Oh, that Colorado team's unbelievable. Yeah, and Rantanen's not even going, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, would you rather see Miko Rantanen or 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 like Nick Suzuki? Like, yeah. I'd rather see Miko Rantanen because like Rantanen, McKinnon, Landis uh, you know, Makar out there, like those three together out, out there, like. Really looking forward to seeing him at the All Star game on the three on three. Like he's gonna rip it up. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Looking at this team, like I'm just look, going down the teams that like just to see who the, each person put in. And like, yeah, Troy Terry had to be invited in. Like Trevor Zegers isn't even on the list. Like well, how cool would it be an- to have him there? That's another guy that I was thinking of too. Yeah, Trevor Zegers. Like you, you tell me you don't want to see Trevor Zegers in the All Star game after that. You know that pass that he had yeah, against you know, two. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so like, you know, I you know, even you know, I, I look at some of these players too, like like Jordan Eberly. Like, you really gonna tell me that Jordan Eberly is an all star this year? Yeah. Like over over, you know, a, a Zegris or over a Ranton. 
you know, like it's I, again, I, I think it's you know it is it, good for the game to get someone from Seattle at the game, but you know it is, is is he even the best player on Seattle? Like I don't like I don't think he is. Like I think Jared McCann's probably you know yeah. a, a better player on Seattle, right? Like he's had a pretty good season. Yeah, or send Giordano uh, there again. Send, send Gio there, yeah, right. Send. Uh, I mean, Grubauer hasn't had the best year, but you know I I, I think there's other players on on that team that 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 could be there. Yeah, Adrian Kempe from LA. Like, that's not an all-star, like, ever. That's not an all-star on anybody's books. And they sent him through for LA. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm just going, I'm going up and down the list now, too. And I, I see some guys, I like, like, I mean, Joe Pavelski, 35. He's at the all-star game. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Not I, Jason I, Robertson? I, I, like, wow. Not, okay. Not, not even that. Like, like, I, like, if you want, if Joe Pavelski, he's having a good year, but to me, he should have been the guy that's in like the fan in vote. Yeah. Not, not a guy like Nazem Kadri, right? Like, you know, Pavelski's a good player, but Dallas is not a, you know, not a great team. Uh, you know, I, I, I think you want to see the, the best players at the all-star game. And I think you have a handful of the best players and you have a handful of, you know, solid players, yeah. not, you know, super sexy players. Uh, like even like a guy like Adam Pellick, like, you, you don't need a That's defensive weird. defenseman. Like, you know what I mean? He's got one goal and six assists this year in 27 games. Like, great player, but is he an all-star? Yeah. Why like, is Barzell I, I, not I don't, there? I don't know. Right. Yeah, why, yeah, exactly. Why, why is a guy like Matt Barzell not there? Yeah. So I, I think there's some some interesting choices. Uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, the, the fan voting definitely, you know, play, plays a bit of a factor, but... You know, I, I, I definitely think there's probably some some snubs um, for, for the All-Star game. Yeah, I'm hoping that this year, um, just based on, I guess, viewership, I hope viewership shows the NHL like, hey, you guys made a big mistake with how, how this was led. Because, yeah, like, you know, there's no Crosby. Or you look at even the defense for the Metropolitan Division. You have, like you said, Adam Pellick, Fox, and Warinsky. You don't have John Carlson there. Like, debatably the best, one of the best def- uh, defensemen in the league. Um, in terms of points, um, you got, okay. Yeah. Jack Hughes is kind of fun to watch fair, but then you go down into like the Atlantic, the Atlantic division. Yeah. Rasmus Dahlin, like, okay. Yeah. Probably one of the better players for Buffalo, but he's not an, he's like negative 21 this year again. Like he's not a great defenseman. Um, you could bring somebody like, um, like even looking at Toronto, like Morgan Riley's not on the list. You know, he's or having like a great Aaron, year. Aaron, Ek- Aaron Ekblad yeah. or Alexander, Eric, Alexander Barkov, like or that's Weger, Florida man. Like that's some he's great ripping. players. Yeah. I don't know. I hope, I, like I said, I hope this year is kind of like a, the last time that they kind of run this, the same measure. But then again, I mean, the, the NHL does like to be like, they like to have fans have their take on it. Right. So like, they'll give people the opportunity, like vote for your player and, make it interactive and all fun, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's good for the league. I, right now, the all-star game is supposed to be like the most fun competition that fans who don't watch a lot of hockey will watch when they see it on the, on, on TV, right? It's just to get eyes on all the best players in the league. And right now they're like, Oh yeah, this, who's this Nick Suzuki guy from Montreal. And they just see like an average game. If, even if Nick Suzuki puts up six goals in the all-star game, nobody will care. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the All-Star game, I feel like it's always one of those things, too, that people debate when it rolls around. It's like, is the All-Star game even, like, worth ha- having anymore? Like, yeah, like, talk like, to what, Ovi like, about what that. Does, <laughs> talk to Ovi about that. And, I mean, like, that's not just the NHL. Like, that's all professional sports. Like, NBA, MLB. Like, I feel like every single time an All-Star game rolls around, it's like, dude, like, like what's the point? Yeah. Like, you know, like, 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 like players are there. They, they, you know, kind of, you know, have, like, they have their fun. You know, the, the games aren't, you know ultra competitive sometimes until they get to like the money round uh you know and then all of a sudden there's something to play for and you know players start to like pick it up a little bit but you know you you go back and watch some like all-star games from like the 90s and like guys are throwing some body checks and you know it's just just a different style of game uh and you know i i think you know it would be entertaining you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think it, it would be great if, you know, uh, Nick Suzuki went out there and ripped it up for like six or seven goals. Do I think it's going to happen? Uh, unlikely. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think you want to see, you know, in, in my mind, you want to see like McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl, 
and uh, like Petey out there, Stamkos, like three guys with like exceptional talent, or you know a, a Makar of McKinnon and Kadri, oh, yeah. for example. Like oh, for their guys teams, their are, respective teams, for their yeah, teams. Yeah, yeah, like three guys that are just gonna like rip it up. And like I don't even care if they're on the same team. Like I would be fine if they all threw their sticks in the middle and it's like okay, you know, like old school street hockey. Yeah, like, let's just, that'd like, be sweet. Mix it up, right? Like. I, I think, you know, you want to have the opportunity. Like, can you imagine if you could see, you know, McDavid, you know, you know we were robbed of it because of the Olympics, but if you could go to the All-Star game and see McDavid and Crosby uh, with Makar on the back end. Yeah. Right? Like, that would be, that'd be unbelievable. Yep. Like, 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 obviously, they're all different conferences and different divisions, So, but that's what it'd be. Like, like just throw everyone into the pot and, and see what happens. And, like, they tried that a couple of years ago with, with, with the draft. And, right. You know, you know, they did that what two years in a row, and you know, I think they realized, oh, maybe this isn't you know the best look when you know Phil Kessel's getting you know the last guy picked, and everyone's making fun of it online. And, yeah. And then the next year, Ovi wanted to be the last pick because he wanted the car. Like, yeah, there was like, like, it was, it was funny. Pick. Yeah, there's reasons to be the last pick, and but like it that kind of like lost its luster. So like, I feel like they need to do something something different. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a question of, of what that would be. Yeah. And I, I feel like the NHL would might just throw it to the fans and be like, what do you guys want to see? Right. And just do like a, like a poll vote and see what people actually would want to watch. But yeah, it's, it's just a bummer that we're not able to see the best players in the entire NHL. And some people are just thrown in because of their team. Right. Um, but no, Brandon, we're, we're, we're out of time, man. We, we've talked for a while. Um, I want to give you though, the opportunity to do your hot take. So what's, what are you, uh, what are you banking on this year? Oh, wow. Hot take. Uh, Put me on the spot here. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that the Colorado Avalanche will not get past the second round. Ooh. And why do you think that that will be? I think they're going to run into a goaltending issue. I think uh, that is, I feel like that is their weakness. I feel like this team is built to win now and their their window is going to be closing. Uh, I think they're going to have trouble bringing back Kadri. Uh, you know, they just paid Makar. Uh, I, I, I think that they're a team that's primed to win the Stanley Cup, but I, I just don't quite know if they're if they have all the pieces yet. Okay. I like that take. There was um, a buddy of mine, Thomas, he kind of said the same thing. He said it a little different. He said Toronto's or uh, Colorado's not even gonna make playoffs. So we know his is incorrect. Ooh, but... I, yeah, I don't know about that one. I think <laughs> I think that will happen. You know, I, I, I thought about maybe going the Leafs route, but I felt that would be too obvious. But I, I do feel like they will finally win a playoff round. So I'll say I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, that's still another hot take. I mean, if 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 uh, the Maple Leafs make it out of first round, that'll be your town would be uh, lightning, man. Everybody. Oh, would if, be they, if they make it out, of, if they make it out of the first round, everyone's going to start playing the parade route. So yeah, yeah, know, that's that's how Leafs fans do it. Yeah, always. I mean, same thing with the Canucks. I mean, it's like, you know, when one thing goes well, it's like, okay, it's sunshine and rainbows. When one thing goes bad, it's like fire everybody. Um, but no, okay, I'll uh, I'll stick with the, the Colorado take there. So you said getting dumped in the second round. Second round. They'll win round one. They'll be out in round two. Okay, okay. And, uh, yeah, the rule, the rule is um, if you get your hot take correct, you win a 24 case of your choice. So... It'll be tough to Ooh, get it out right. to you in Toronto, but maybe it'll just be a gift card to like the Ontario Liquor Board. That, that works. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, everybody, thank you for listening in. Brandon, thank you for joining again, man. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it, man. This is great. Awesome. And uh, yeah, look forward. Actually, this is the this is the season finale of, uh, of season one. So look forward to season two coming out probably, I would say, two weeks from uh, the day this is posted. And, uh, and we'll go from there. Thanks, everybody. 